Welcome. You are listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here is your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Director of Church Communications. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on Facebook Live today. I'm so happy to be able to spend a few minutes uh, with you and also uh, very happy to welcome Gary Hogue. Gary is a speaker, an author, and uh, what's just been announced, he's the founding president and CEO of Global Trust Partners. And we're super excited for you, Gary, in this new ministry venture. Welcome to you. Thank you so much. And it's great to see you, Phil. It's always good to see my brother who cares so deeply about stewardship and about serving churches in the area of, of faithfulness. Gary uh, has a book called Good and Faithful. I'm going to hold it up here. Um, that's, not, that's not very high tech, but I have it here with me, and it's called Good and Faithful, 10 Stewardship Lessons for Everyday Living. Uh, I'm familiar with this book now for, I think, about a year or so. Uh, one of the things that, there's a couple things that attracted my attention to it. One, uh, I quickly recognize that Gary handles scripture really, really well. Um, and that's obvious and evident in this book. Um, what I also liked about it is that there's a website, I'm going to read it to you, seedbed.com backslash good and faithful. And Gary has sort of intro videos for each of the chapters uh, of this, for this book. And it makes it a really useful tool for small groups. Again, it's called Good and Faithful, 10 Stewardship Lessons for Everyday Living. I love the format. I love the content. Um, so thank you so much, Gary, for, for writing this and for producing this content. My privilege. It was made uh, at the advisement of some of my students who were pastors. And so it was kind of designed for, with, uh, with the pastor and the small group in mind, the people who really want to help uh, the, those they serve hear two words when they meet Jesus. Well done, good and faithful steward. So, yep, I'm glad you love it. Yeah, we're, and, and so, I mean, it's a tool designed to help churches have conversations about money, about uh, personal finances, and about giving generously, all these kinds of things. And our topic today for our Facebook Live is four easy tips for talking about money. And that sounds like kind of, on the one hand, that sounds like kind of a, a topic like, well, who has problems talking about money, except that in the church, it's a thing that um, that often churches don't um, have conversations about money. Church leaders have a hard time talking about money. I was, uh, we had a pastor summit in September and had a group of about a dozen pastors around the table. And when we started talking about uh, how church leaders uh, communicate um, about money, about giving in the church, the tension in the room became palpable because mm -hmm. Um, pastors and church leaders are worried about all kinds of things that we'll talk about this morning uh, related to money, uh, one of them being sort of giving the impression that they're uh, money grubbing. Um, another uh, sort of version of this, I was reminded this week, I, going into this Facebook Live, I got an email from a pastor who said, I can't join you on Facebook Live, but I want you to know that I just had a church member say to me this past week, 
uh, pastor should never be preaching or talking about money or sex. Those are two topics that pastors should have nothing to do with. Now, this is 2019, and my question is, what sort of gospel is that? How is that? How is this possible uh, that a mature believer would have it in their mind that uh, money is should never be talked about off the pulpit? It's uh, hard to believe. Well, l- let me make one comment on that, and let me actually, as as a guy who, um, with my Reverend Doctor title, I serve as a visiting professor at seven different schools in four countries. So imagine I'm teaching like a faith and finances and a stewardship and generosity course at all these schools, right? When I first started teaching way back in the early 2000s in the seminary level, I did a survey of literature, right? And I read the famous book, Money, Possessions, and Power by Randy Alcorn. And in the opening line of the book, he says, I did some research and basically only a handful of seminaries talk about money. Like, so I want to say on behalf of all those pastors out there, if you feel ill-equipped to talk about money, first of all, it's actually our fault, you know, in the seminaries, we didn't prepare you adequately. We didn't talk about it. But that doesn't mean it's something that we shouldn't talk about because Jesus was unafraid to go to even the most difficult topics. And money's one of them because it goes to a place where maybe we can be tempted to find our security. And so it can be like a real sensitive area for some people. And so even though we didn't give you the training on it, maybe in seminary, though many seminaries are shifting on that, it's something we've got to talk about because Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about it. So the, the title for today is Four Easy Tips for Talking About Money. Uh, and the way I set it up was that I had in, my, in mind three specific areas I wanted to talk about. And then um, I told you, Gary, that the fourth one is a bonus one. You can talk about whatever, whatever Yay, it is you I want. Get one. So, <laughs> um, so uh, let's, let's do the first one I'm preaching. And um, let's talk about uh, crafting sermons uh, Sunday mornings or Sundays at our churches when we uh, need to talk about uh, personal wealth and giving in the church. Um, What would you say there, Gary? Sure, sure. Here's my advice um, for pastors. And I'm saying this as a reverend. I'm saying this as a trainer of pastors. Um, Those we serve will not go on a journey unless we ourselves guide them on that journey. And so... Many pastors are afraid to talk about money because maybe in their own lives, this is something, an area where there's a lot of room for growth. Again, they didn't talk about it seminary. And so I encourage pastors, don't avoid these difficult passages, address them. But when you do, use the language of the Apostle Paul. So Phil, one of my favorite expressions of Paul comes from um, Philippians. Picture He's 30 years into his spiritual journey. He's in chains, the text says, and he's writing the Philippians and he says, I've learned the secret of contentment. Now, I don't know about you, Phil, but I really didn't learn in my spiritual journey on the first day that, oh, if I have Christ, I have everything I need so I can be this generous, content person. It takes us years to figure this out. So if you're leading a congregation and you're preaching, And you come across one of 
hundreds, even into the thousands of passages which touch on stewardship, you don't have to speak on it as if you have it all figured out at that point. Speak and preach with humility. Use the language of Paul that says, hey, you know what I'm learning in my journey? And watch this. I, I, and I would testify to this. I just preached recently on a biblical text on money. And I thought I did a really good job forming all these points in the sermon. You know what almost everyone commented on at the end? They commented on my personal humble illustrations that inspired them to join me on the journey. So if you're preaching on it, here's my practical tip for you. Don't try to act like you have it all figured out. Preach humbly and talk about, oh, the world's bombarding us with these messages. It's Christmas time, consumerism, materialism. Oh, you deserve this. You have to have this. Talk about these truths and say, you know what? I'm learning that those messages, they aren't all true. I'm learning that the secret is if I have Christ, I have everything I need. And, you know, I can be generous and I can be faithful and I can be different from the world around me. So in your preaching, my tip is don't don't act like you have it all together because none of us do. This is a journey for us. Um, Speak with humility. Use language like I'm learning. So you invite others on the journey. Make sense, Phil? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really like that. You know, it's really a call to authenticity. It's a call to recognize that. Um, the reality is, is that money is an everyday part of our living, and it is for church leaders too, and for pastors, it's an everyday. We use it every single day. Um, why not? Why not just be really honest about um, what can sometimes be our struggle with with wealth and with money and using it in ways that honor and glorify God? You know, our, our executive director Jim Baki one time said, uh, uh, on this topic in terms of the challenge of talking about money, one, one of the things he said that I really liked was, you know, um, uh, make sure that you have the practice of talking about money, but not always necessarily in the context of giving, right? Uh, um, yes, good. Because, you know, I, I used money when I, I uh, went through Dunkin' Donuts and got coffee this morning, you know, because we use it every single day. There's all kinds of instances where in church leadership, we can give examples of talking about money that illustrate that we have some kind of relationship to money that we need to figure out in Christ, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, I guess maybe sort of uh, decompress the issue by uh, being honest and natural uh, and, and sort of truthful about it. Um, so before, another- Before you move another, on to this point, oh, go ahead. let me echo with something that happened just super recently. A young man who's, uh, that, I, that I was one of my seminary students testified to me that for two years he had amassed some financial debt and he carried it around as if this, with his shame and this like, and he didn't want anybody to know about it. And, and so he, he got the courage up to do what you just said, to speak with authenticity. His ministry actually exploded. What happened was, his humility and authenticity um, in, and it was only, you ready? It was only $37,000, right? But his mm-hmm. authenticity to say, while we live beyond our means, we amassed this big debt, we were slaves to it. And then this is our plan and how we're getting out. You know what it did? It unleashed a bunch of other people to join in that journey. So I want to encourage people that the authenticity actually can be the pathway in your preaching and ministry to 
unbelievable freedom unleashing. So one of the, one of the fears about uh, talking about uh, money in church is sort of giving the impression that uh, church leaders and pastors are money grubbing. And so mm. um, one of the strategies, not a healthy one, but one of the strategies uh, has to do with relating to and talking to wealthy church members. Um, what are some tips there, Gary? Sure. This, and this gets into a very, uh, uh, let's say, potentially dangerous area. And the reason I'm saying that is we got to look to the scriptures um, to see how do we make sure we interface well with everybody in our, in our congregation, especially the wealthy people. And I like to go to the book of James because James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. And he talks about um, some beautiful ideas in his epistle. And right out of the gate, he talks about we need to avoid the temptation to show favoritism. So at the, at the outset, if we're preaching with authenticity, we also need to be relating with integrity. And that means treating everybody the same. Every gift and every giver matter. Now, the only way this can be true is if we ourselves really believe God's the one who provides for my church, not this wealthy person. God's the one who provides because what's going to happen is wealthy people are going to rise and fall and God's going to raise up other ones. And the key is we need to be treating everyone with this sense of, 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 of like not favoritism, like each person's valuable. Now watch. The key though is simultaneously we need to tell everyone that giving in the New Testament is according to your means. So when God blesses you with a little, like you're like the widow with the two pennies, you matter. Great. You have something to contribute. So the person who today has a little feels valued. We got no favoritism. But then someone who has a lot, they get to give a lot. And it's not because of what I want from you. It's what I want for you. If mm -hmm. our language in any way makes it sound like, and I love how you said it, Phil. If every time we talk about money, it's related to giving, it's about what I want from you. But if we're talking about faithful stewardship, hey, if God's blessed you, be a conduit of blessing to those around you. This isn't necessarily talking about oh, giving money to the church. It's we, if we're blessed a little, get to give a little, blessed a lot, give a lot. So here's my tip on this second one. And I learned this by going to um, uh, a church where when I went into the church, during the offering time, it was super cool how they did this. During the offering, the sacred like three minutes of the service, you know, they showed video clip testimonies up front on the video screen of, of three or four people that um, God was working in their life to just grow in faithful stewardship. And these little video clips, one was clearly probably someone that had maybe a modest level of wealth and maybe a middle level of wealth and maybe an upper level of wealth. Mm -hmm. And the reality is we need to challenge everybody to faithfulness. And what inspired me that day, and I think everybody in that congregation, was that regardless of the level of wealth that you have, God wants you to be faithful to put it in play because he blessed you with it to be a conduit of blessing. So our temptation is just focus on the rich people. But our, our posture needs to be that everybody's important because when people, let's say that person of middle income, when they don't participate, they're the ones who miss out. 
And when the person of high income, when we just put too much burden on them, it's as if we're showing we think they're the fuel of ministry and not God. And so I, I challenge pastors, make sure you create this culture where out of the authenticity, everybody matters, but then challenge everyone to faithfulness by putting to work what they have. Yeah, we live in this, uh, well, we live in this culture that uh, tells us that our, um, our personhood, our wealth, our, sorry, our, our meaning uh, is determined, our value is determined by how much money we have or how much mm. money we make, where the biblical message is our value is determined in Christ Jesus, in, you know, through whom we're affirmed as sons and daughters of God. And um, uh, so that, that's so helpful to recognize that at the cross, you know, there's this leveling out and, um, and it's not our wealth that determines our importance or a lack of importance or anything like that. To, to see people for who they are in Christ Jesus and not, uh, not according to how much wealth they have. Um, a, a follow-up comment I would make on this. So a number of years ago, and there's a publication out there called Christianity Today. Some of you are familiar with it. Um, and I got, I, I've been asked many times to comment in, in, or write little articles. And one time they asked me to comment on the question, should pastors know how much people give? And they said to me, like, especially because this could be, you know, uh, if, if wrongly used, again, this could be a way to maybe mistreat wealthy people or other people in your congregation. And my response to them was, because I'm a biblical scholar, I went right to the word and I went right to the book of Acts. And it says that when Barnabas sold the land, he set the money at the apostles' feet. Now, if you look down, Phil, at your feet, you know, you're going to know what gets plopped there, right? It's like, there it is. There it is, Phil. And so, Watch. So the disciples, these apostles, like the early church, the guys running the church, they knew how much money was being given. They knew. Now watch. The reason we have knowledge of our people, whether it's knowledge of their giving or anything else in their lives, it's not to go gossip about them. It's not to um, abuse them. It's not to treat them with either favoritism. And I would argue that the only way you could show favoritism in the early church is if you knew who was wealthy and who wasn't. Now, largely, when they walked in the room, maybe they were, they were richly dressed. Like, you can see when somebody walks in and they're like, whoa, that person maybe even looks wealthy, right? right. Um, what, what I would say to you is we need to not judge by this outward appearance. We need to look at people's hearts and care about their hearts. And, and I'm telling you, if, if you want to be a place that's welcoming to wealthy people, treat everybody as valued. Do it. Because yep. wealthy people will be like, wow, this is a safe place. I'm not going to get abused. But right. watch this. Then watch this. This is where the gospel comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. This is where you say, everybody's valued here because of who we are in Christ. Right. And yet everybody who's here is going to be challenged to not allow the resources God provides to stay with us, but come to us and how has God positioned us to be a blessing with whatever measure of wealth he's provided. 
So a big, a big part of uh, what I do and a big part of what you do is try to resource uh, families and resource churches around um, financial literacy, recognizing that uh, there are folks, as we've been saying here, there are folks that struggle uh, with finances, uh, maybe it's debt. Um, how, how about, uh, how about a tip for talking to, uh, these members about money? What, what would you say there? Sure. I'm going to give, this is going to be like a, a two part tip. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. The tip is going to be for the mindset of the, of the, of the, the workers at church. And then it's a tip for the people in financial crisis. Okay. So first, the tip for the, for the mindset of, of God's, God's servants, you know, at church. And I'm going to use two words that start with the letter D so you remember this. Okay. Let's not give handouts that create dependencies. Right. Let's give hand ups that build disciples. Okay? So it's really important. I'm going to say it again. Let's not give handouts that create dependencies. Let's give hand ups that build disciples. So imagine this. Imagine if you're a pastor and you call me up and you say, Hey, Gary, we gave out 200 bags at the food closet today. And you know what I would say? Hey, that's awesome. You know, hungry people in crisis, 200 bags. And then let's say I see you the next week. Hey, Gary, we gave out 205 bags at the food closet today. And I would say to you, hey, that's great. And, but then by the third week, and now you're at 210 bags, right? The third week, I would say, you know what? Have you created a dependency? Are these people using their God-given gifts to work? Because God made us to work. Like, are you helping them become fruitful disciples? Or are you creating a dependency that every Tuesday they've got to come to you? And so this pastor said to me, what, what should we do? And I said, I want to challenge you to be like the Good Samaritan. You discover that someone's in crisis, right? Like someone's in a crisis. Did the Good Samaritan just throw a bag of groceries at him and to make him dependent for, for a week and then another week and another week? No. He got him back on his feet or actually picked him up in his brokenness, took him to get him help to get him back on his feet. And so here's what I would suggest. Let's, instead of giving handouts that build dependencies, Let's give a hand up that builds disciples. So here's an example of an easy tip to give a hand up. So you find out someone's just struggling with, with debt, okay? And they're, they're, they've had some crises. I actually had one of my former students email me the other day and say, pray for me, Gary. I have a bunch of medical bills, you know? And so I said to this student the same tip I'm going to give you, and that is ABC. A is assess the situation. But don't do it alone. You could also say the A stands for accountability. Like assess your situation with one other person, and this needs to be a no blame, no shame setting. So like, so the, the reality is, whatever, you have $12,000 in medical bill debt. Assess the situation. What is it? Um, what's the old expression? Stop the bleeding. You can't stop the bleeding unless you know where it's bleeding. So right. assess the situation. A. B is build a plan to get out of debt. That plan might take you 12 months, might take you 24 months. Build a plan and do this together. So it might mean buying those Dunkin' Donuts for them once a month and just saying, hey, let me buy you coffee and donuts and I want to encourage you because I'm praying with you, you can get out of this crisis. And now 
you know, sure, you might help them along if God blesses you with abundant provision. Sure, you, and you can totally do that. But sometimes the, what people need more than a handout of money, they just need your encouragement that they're not going to be blamed or judged to get out of this journey or to get out of this challenge. And then three is C, ABC. So A, assess situation. B, build a plan. C is celebrate and tell others your story because the sad reality is about financial challenges that if I were to give pastors a cool set of like Superman X-ray vision glasses, your congregation, probably somewhere around half the people in your congregation are hiding some form of financial challenge that they're afraid to talk about. And, and so if they open up and talk about it, or if you share these tips and they open up with a trusted friend, I, I hope and pray that people in your congregation will help them assess, will help them build a plan, and will celebrate and even buy them dinner or whatever when they're done, when they get out of this. Because God's design for us is not just that we just get handouts. It's His design is that maybe we offer those that are hurting a hand up, which will build them up as a disciple. And last idea on this tip is really important. How we help others actually disciples them how to help others. Mm -hmm. So if we just throw 10 bucks at them, that's mentoring them to throw 10 bucks at a problem. But if we actually be like that good Samaritan, which shows love, gets his hands a little dirty, helps them get back on their feet, we actually become a church that to the world is like, wow, you care more about people than money? You care, you care more about helping me out of this crisis? This is a beautiful community. Do I hear an amen, friend? There's a lot. There's a lot at stake, especially when uh, when uh, it's framed as a discipleship matter, right? And that we're called to um, we're called to uh, walk alongside uh, others and um, share this uh, burden. What can be a burden in terms of figuring out our relationship with money? Um, so I promised you a bonus. We're uh, we're cutting close on time here, so. Um, I want to give you that bonus, and also I want to just mention that um, we've mentioned Dunkin' Donuts twice in this, and so I'm hoping there's somebody out there, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, that stops by my office today and brings that by. But uh, here's, uh, here's your uh, bonus tip. Here's my last tip. I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to this to pick up one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, in one of those like Bible versions where the red letters of Jesus are in red. And I want you to do this. And when I've had pastors or committed followers of Jesus do this, they've said it's transformed their journey. So pick one of the gospels and just read the red letters of Jesus. You're going to come back to me and say, wow, I can't believe how straightforward Jesus was about this, how open he was about this. And you know what I think you'll discover? He's not trying to rob you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to help you take hold of life. And when a pastor friend of mine did this, he just in front of his congregation, as he was teaching through one of the gospels, talked about the, how the different stewardship passages struck him. Not only did giving go up in his church, but tremendous spiritual growth happened in the lives of the people. So in your personal journey, if you want to grow in stewardship, pick up one of the gospels, just hear the words of Jesus. He's not trying to rob you. He's trying to help you. He wants to help you take hold of life. That's my bonus. Thank you, Gary. Gary, 
uh, is the president and CEO of Global Trust Partners. He's also the author of Good and Faithful. I uh, highly recommend this book. Gary, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for working with me on this and for joining us today here on Facebook Live. Hmm. Thank you so much. And God bless you and your work with churches and your service at Barnabas. Thanks, Gary. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.barnabasfoundation.com.